Welcome to Collaboration Dynamics, where we find out how working together makes sense for real people. With Judy Reese, virtual collaboration consultant, best-selling author and master of metaphor. And welcome to the Collaboration Dynamics podcast. I'm Judy Reese, and with me today is Aaron Reese. Hello, Hello, Aaron. Hello there. And before we start, we have to say, even though we're both Reese, we are no relation. <laughs> Apparently not, not that we know of. Uh, I mean, I've not done my family tree. There's, there's every possibility that, yeah, that you could be my, my third cousin, twice removed, or, or some such. We find that out one day, but uh, yeah. as far as we know, we're no relation, but we are as friends. As far as we know, yes, indeed. <laughs> and. Aaron, please introduce yourself and let people know what it is you do in relation to collaboration. Yeah, okay. So uh, I I suppose I generally call myself a creativity coach. Um, I've been toying with various ways to say that. Um, But what I do is I coach people and I coach them specifically uh, specializing in the area of creativity. And I think where that relates to collaboration, well, it relates to collaboration in, in every level, but specifically for me, uh, where this relates to collaboration is is precisely how creativity really works. Um, one of my sayings, and I'll try and pepper my little catchphrases throughout this um, discussion, I'll jab them in here and there, um, is that creativity is a team sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the real frustrations I have, and one of the reasons that I have developed my, my methodology for doing this, my way of doing this, is that creativity is frequently um, taught to people as a, first of all, as a set of tools and, and techniques rather than a way of engaging with life and work, but also it's celebrated at an individual level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we talk about uh, there's this myth of the lone creative genius and that is so damaging to people's ability to really be creative that uh, I try to wherever possible remind people that creativity does not belong to individuals it's it's a team sport it happens in groups um, and I don't believe there is any I don't think there are any real examples of uh, um, lone, isolated people coming up with anything particularly uh, amazing, just just purely from their own minds. So, so shot right through what I do is is the need to help people figure out how to collaborate creatively. Mm-hmm. So, when creativity is a team sport like mm. that, when you are collaborating at your best what mm-hmm. kind of collaborations do you get involved in well um i find that it if i had to um categorize them i like any situation where there is a real desire to do something delightful for someone where mm-hmm. where there's a feel of of purpose to it so whether that's i mean my my skill set is is largely in things like uh, content creation I do a lot of writing but also in facilitation and coaching and so on uh, and creative problem solving because you know I have to learn a thing or two about that to do what I do mm-hmm. but but I suppose it, anything that requires uh, a group of people to to place the object of their work first um, and and I suppose 
what I mean by that is that a lot of the time people are driven by extrinsic needs. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been built into the system that that it's the it's the the uh, the hierarchy within which we work. So maybe we're trying to work our way up the hierarchy, get that promotion, or it's the uh, power dynamics of the team, or it's uh, money, or what have you. And usually that doesn't lead to great work. Usually that leads to uh, good enough work. Sometimes it leads to great work, but really I find that when people are doing really great work, it's because they care about the object of their work and they they work in service to that mm-hmm. above else. And then when that's the the case, job roles kind of fall away. Um, uh, nobody, if if the object of the work the group is working on is is the thing, then nobody's going to sit around arguing whose jobs, whose, and whose role is whose. And well, you should be doing that because that's in your job description. I'm going to do that because that's my uh, responsibility. Or I, this this when you hear people say, I, I who owns this. You know, who, who owns this? Who owns this particular thing? It's a horrible uh, mm-hmm. way of working, I find, because you limit people, and when, and that really prevents collaboration. I, I feel people need to feel that I am a set of skills and abilities, um, and I ha- I am here to to deliver the best of me to whatever this is that we're trying to do, and not get caught up in. Uh, in those those um, extrinsic uh, concerns. Mm-hmm. So, when the object of the work is put first, mm. whereabouts are you in relation to that? Hmm. How do you mean? So specifically, you 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 you've said you like to get involved in these things where the object of the work is put first, and mm. and in situations where creativity is a team sport, but. Mm. Specifically, what would be one or two examples of right. how you collaborate and where you sit in that collaboration? Yeah, okay. So um, I suppose it's quite fluid. Um, given any 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 group of people working together, and usually for me this is uh, co-located, so, so people face-to-face, um, when there is something to achieve... There are various stages you go through, through uh, gathering insights, planning, um, uh, ideation, and what have you. Um, And at any given time, a person within that group will usually emerge as the most appropriate person to lead on on that that item. Um, And other people will take on different roles in a fairly fluid way. So I don't know that I see myself having a specific role i think it's very context dependent i do like being a um a specialist uh within groups so i like having so uh, uh, knowledge and insight and being able to use that uh, effectively i'm not much of a um well, they they normally now i'm trying to remember the belbin team roles isn't it they mm-hmm. normally talk about the uh, the the chairman Mm-hmm. And, and people, I'm not much of uh, that kind of that kind of character. I like to let someone else worry about the uh, the the stress of keeping the team um, <laughs> moving in that way. I like to be involved in the uh, in the nitty gritty uh, more more so. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the way I more naturally fit in. I think also I love to generate ideas. Um, so if I'm collaborating with people during any part of the uh, of the work which requires new ideas and new input, uh, I find. Find that very exciting mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that's where i probably get quite fired up mm. so when you're generating ideas you get mm. fired up 
Mm. And you don't like being that kind of Belbin chairman kind of role. Yeah, well, I don't think I do that most naturally. Um, but again, it's 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 bizarre. If you look at any team, um, and you if they are really working in a very fluid way, at any given moment, somebody could be doing an element of that. There's somebody who is uh, who who just for even for a brief second is uh, is taking on the the role of say taking a helicopter view of what's going on and giving people feedback or, or what have you. There's, that that happens very fluidly. So even though it's not something that I necessarily identify with, I'm sure I do it occasionally. Mm -hmm. So as you imagine all these different roles you take and these different mm -hmm. collaborations, and it's all quite fluid and it's usually mm -hmm. co-located and the bit you love is the generating ideas. Mm -hmm. When you are collaborating at your best, mm -hmm. you are like... I am like I'm like is this is this a metaphor we're looking for? Is it? <laughs> it is. I'm like an eagle soaring through the uh, through the sky. Um, I I like to think I am I am uh, at my best. I am a uh, someone who challenges. Mm -hmm. I think at my best, I am a I am a challenge. You might say to to the group to always look for. Uh, for a better way, always look for for more insights and always uh, be even clearer on what we're trying to achieve. I'd like to think that I I have to walk that line between uh, motivating and irritating. I think mm -hmm. is the is the difficult part, and I think at my best, I managed to walk that line very very well. Mm. So walking the line between motivating and irritating. Yeah, that might be a new catchphrase for me. That could be. Mm. Yeah. And when you're walking the line between motivating and irritating, what kind of line is that line? It's it's a very thin one. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what it means is um, is constantly reading the group. Mm. Uh, I think there is there is a a tendency always to seek a position of certainty and comfort. The, the human mind is is not uh, it's not comfortable with being dis, yeah, discomforted. I suppose is is the uh, tautological way of saying it. But it, we like to make a decision, feel comfortable with that decision, and, and stick with that. And without something to cause disruption, without something to cause. Uh, new thoughts to come through to to unsettle previously settled positions it's very um it, there's a great danger that any given group will quickly find the most obvious and most um safe path of least resistance uh, and move in that direction and if you're going to try and stop them doing that you have to be very careful because you're pushing them to do more mental work than they necessarily want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean this in terms of them consciously wanting to do less mental work. I'm not saying that people are sitting there going, right, I'm going to do the least possible. But our we've got clever brains and our brains are wired to try and reduce our cognitive load. We don't want to think more than we have to. That's why we have lots of really great heuristics and, and shortcuts to, to make decisions. So... Um, you're trying to push someone to do more thinking. You're trying to push them to stay open longer uh, to uncertainty, which in itself is uh, an uncomfortable position to be in. Um, 
And I think that requires uh, a lot of empathy. It requires a lot of um, a lot of love. I think you have to you have to feel uh, a lot of warmth towards people to do this because otherwise you can uh, you can come across as very irritating. You don't want to be. Uh, um, you don't at all want to give the impression that you're being uh, being disruptive, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it takes, I think, humour and 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 bringing a, a sense of joy to the work. And you don't want to come across as di- disruptive, and disruptive is important with that yeah. whole keeping everybody um, in a state of yeah. uncertainty for longer, and and you yes. need that disruption of the previously settled. Yeah, and it's... walking the line between motivating and irritating, and that line is a thin line. Yes, it is a very yeah. thin line. Very thin line. Uh, so, I, the annoying word disruption because it means two things, doesn't it? In this context, uh, so um, being disruptive mm-hmm. is obviously not good um, in in a team scenario, but you do want to disrupt sometimes mm-hmm. uh certain thought patterns um and certain uh paths that people might be going down if you if you feel that uh, that you're getting too close to uh closing in on a conclusion uh, and and choosing a direction before you've really explored your opportunities and before you've really considered alternatives mm-hmm. so that thin, very thin line mm. in between motivating and irritating is there anything else about that line? Anything else about that line? <sighs> hmm. I suppose one thing is that it's different for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sometimes wonder about this. So there's the whole uh, uh, negative versus positive reinforcement and um, how some people, apparently, if you if you say to them, nah, you'll never be able to do this, they immediately decide to prove you wrong. And other people, if you if you say, oh, you'll never be able to do this, they immediately go, oh, I'll never be able to do this, and, mm. um, and give up. Um, and, and actually, those people need you to say, I absolutely believe in you. Um, I think possibly that, that sort of occasionally slightly irritating um, for certain people, Mm. might be uh might be might be the right way to go sometimes you do need to get under people's skin and and, uh, and so on but that's a very very difficult call to make and i wouldn't i wouldn't want to make that call with somebody i didn't know very well i, th- I suspect mm-hmm. so when you're walking that line between mm. motivating and irritating and it's a very fine line how are you walking oh on tiptoes um <laughs> How am I walking? Well, that's my question. Are you walking on tiptoes? Are you treading on eggshells? Or are you walking in a different way? That's interesting. So I suppose um, you... If if we follow this metaphor along, uh, there are times when when you need to walk on tiptoes. There are times you need to be careful. Um, and there are times when you do need to um, maybe stamp a little bit mm-hmm. at times you do need to make some noise i think uh it all depends on the group it all depends on the feeling in the room um and reading uh reading that feeling and um i suppose at times you uh you almost can stop the i suppose the other the other side of it is that if you are doing this role walking this line um 
there's also the point where you say, right, I'm I'm not needed right now. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a flow has been created there. We've achieved something um, that you don't want to disrupt. I sometimes say uh, that that being a creative leader is often as simple as shutting up and getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, woe betide any anybody trying to bring a team forward creatively if they if they don't know when to stop, um, uh, stop pushing, stop uh, mm-hmm. motivating, stop doing anything, and just allowing people to flow. So I suppose that you can tiptoe, you can stamp, and sometimes you just have to stop walking and, mm-hmm. and wait. Mm. This metaphor works quite well, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, so, well, let's play with it for for a question or two longer. Then, if it's working, um, mm. when you're walking that line mm. between motivation and irritation, mm. whereabouts is motivation and whereabouts is irritation? Ooh, that's interesting. Whereabouts is it? It's interesting. Uh, so I immediately start. I mentioned the word flow before, and I start thinking of. Uh, uh, the the so the original work uh, sent me high I believe is is the correct pronunciation of <laughs> the flow bloke <laughs> of of Mister Flow um, I I think broadly let's just call him Mister Smith for now because <laughs> um, Mihai Chick sent me high is uh, very difficult to say I've never even heard anybody attempt it before uh, I've I learned to say his name when I was in university and I came across so I, I was very um unhappy through large parts of university so I became very interested in learning about happiness um and so I learned uh, a lot about flow then and um and so I learned about uh, Mihai except Mihai or Mr Smith and I I decided I've got to know how to pronounce this guy's name because so much of what he wrote about was so mind-blowingly uh, interesting and so powerful and uh, and when we talk about where you've got uh, motivation the ultimate feeling of motivation I think is also what we would call flow mm. um, and I suppose irritation agitation um is uh is kind of don't they say that there's there's kind of the channel of flow and on one side of it there's boredom and on the other side of it there's there's stress mm-hmm. there's oh uh, there's too much stress there's um there's, there's angst and anxiety um and i think when you're trying to uh, achieve a state of flow you need a big enough challenge to not be bored and not so much challenge or at least the right kind of challenge um, so that you're not irritated. Um, and so I think if we're talking about where where irritation is and where where motivation is, it's really it's it's giving people enough of a challenge, pushing them enough that they they can come to a form of flow, mm-hmm. a form of motivation. Without going so far um, in terms of difficulty that they become anxious, but also not giving them the kinds of challenges which are perhaps arbitrary or inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time difficulty with, uh, with creative flow comes from having to work within seemingly arbitrary constraints. Um, 
not feeling that the system within which you're working has meaning to it. Um, and I've for years been wondering about how to codify this. I feel like there there are there are constraints are important, necessary, because constraints convey information. Mm. They can be seen as uh, as a um, a framework within which to achieve something. Okay, there's a wall there. There's a there's a there is a barrier there. There is a, a door there. Okay, so now I know I can't go that way, but I can go that way. These things are meaningful constraints. I love um, constraints. I, one of my favourite sayings used to be that in the Twitter rules it said constraint inspires creativity. Yes, absolutely. The 140 character rule, which was actually quite arbitrary originally, um, became in itself a, a wonderful creative constraint. But if you then said to someone halfway through uh, um, a sort of creative flow of some kind, now I'm going to implement a different and entirely arbitrary constraint that's got nothing to do with what you're trying to achieve. So for I suppose one of my, my least favourite ones of these is, um, or favourite depending on the way you look at it, is, is arbitrary deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, so when someone says, we need to achieve this by this time, you say, well, okay, but that's going to require me to reduce this or change this and that's going to hamper the quality of what we do and you say what's what's behind this deadline and they say well i told my boss it'll be done by that day Mm. and it's like well okay but that's that's pretty arbitrary that's not actually um beneficial to to achieving the best results that's a that's an arbitrary thing that's that's being done for for you know it's going to make you look good you've got your review the day after and you want to be able to tick this box say um that's a kind of a, a constraint which can i think lead to irritation now of course you can use it you can say right fair enough this is going to require us to uh, to do other things um but i suppose do you know what? I wish you, you'll have to put a link maybe somewhere if you have show notes or anything attached to your podcast. Um, and we'll try and find this and I'll try and send it to you. There's this brilliant video, which you may have seen. It's been around the Internet for a long time um, of a uh, a group of people having a, a meeting where they've got a specialist consultancy firm in. And one of the consultants is the technical specialist who's going to achieve this this result for them and they say to this person okay so what we want is um i think something like three red lines Mm -hmm. and he goes okay three red lines that's that's doable we can do three red lines and he says they say they all have to be perpendicular Mm -hmm. and he says perpendicular to what and they say to each other and he says well that's not possible you can't have three lines all perpendicular to each other it's that's not possible so well surely you're a specialist you can figure this out you know and and they go and the other thing is we want them drawn with green ink and (laughs) i remember this one yeah it's a wonderful video because what you've got here are a bunch of arbitrary constraints which don't come out of the real deliverable what you're actually trying to achieve and maybe that's the best example of, of really arbitrary constraints it's ill thought out stuff um that doesn't help you and and if we sort of loop in a long languid loop back to the original discussion i suppose it's these kinds of things which don't provide any information provide um uh contradictions and difficulties which you 
if you had the power just to chop it out, say this constraint goes, this, it doesn't do anything for me, um, then uh, then you would. And I think if you are trying to maintain a creative flow, you're going to be very careful um, throwing in arbitrary uh, um, constraints which can can cause irritation because what they do is they provide no useful input and all they do is is uh, is is constrain your options and reduce your ability to to rise to the challenge and of course that can push you up into that anxiety space and of course the wisdom to know the difference is a great question i mean which ones yes. the arbitrary ones and which are not so if you yeah, look uh, for example at um a newspaper has uh, uses certain fonts in the old days it did that because you could only use so many fonts in one newspaper now you could in theory use any number of fonts but the newspaper would cease to look like a newspaper if it yeah. was just a jumble of different fonts mm. yeah so this is where you have to say who is the end user of this mm. um, so what is the benefit they're going to derive from it if you draw all of your constraints from uh, something that really does benefit the end user, um, then they're not going to be arbitrary. They're, they're going to be real. Um, if you find that um, you can't see a connection between this constraint and producing a better end product for the user, then probably that is something that's arbitrary, <clears throat> something that's not been properly considered, maybe something that's driven out of uh, an extraneous uh, desire from somebody, say, ego-wise or, or uh, politics-wise to, to achieve something. Mm -hmm. And also, of course, clarity about you know, what is real value for the end user. You know, what's the difference between uh, what somebody is very vocal and complaining about uh, as opposed to what really matters to the silent majority? I think really knowing the end user can, can make a big difference in understanding uh, what, is a, what is a real creative constraint and what is an arbitrary one. Mm-hmm. So one last question, because we've got to wrap up in a minute. Yeah. So when you are walking that very thin line between motivation mm. and irritation, what happens to constraints? What happens to constraints? Mm. Well, you, you become, uh, I think you do become aware of, hmm, let me think of how best to answer this. I think it heightens a sense of what is, a, a real meaningful constraint um, or you know, to use a better word perhaps it's not a constraint it's a piece of information let's, let's say, uh, maybe we can we can if we remove that word the word constraint and just think of what is information information is either useful information um, or it's not useful information it's either pertinent or it's arbitrary and um, and 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 can be ignored um, I think when you are walking the line between motivation and irritation, which is I'm, I'm kind of, it's growing on me that that line, <laughs> um, uh, you you do become I think more aware in a heightened way about what is really uh, meaningful mm. um, and what isn't. I think it requires you to be very very skin in the game. You are there. You are providing um, an important role within a group you're collaborating by by helping people to think clearly if you are asking uh arbitrary questions that are not pertinent then you're derailing their 
their thought process. If you're putting in um, extraneous pieces of information which are not useful, be they in the form of constraints or uh, even worse, if they're in the form of um, well-intended but useless pieces of advice, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it is you're putting in, if it's not really driven by the needs of the group, then uh, then you're going to be harming them. Um, so maybe as, as they say in, in medicine, first do no harm. I, I think maybe you, you become very aware of your capacity in that position to harm if you're mm-hmm. not careful. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid we've run out of time. I want to ask you a dozen more questions, but we're going to have to leave it there. Well, we so, can go again. We'll do, do one in a few weeks' time. We'll yeah, have round like two. So if people have been listening to this and think they want to get find out more about the stuff you do, mm-hmm. what you're up to, and, um, yeah, how do they contact you? And who would you yeah. like to contact you? Oh, okay, brilliant. So um, they can find me at uh, Um That's the English spelling of Sabertooth Panda, R-E. Saber, uh, saber, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm also on LinkedIn as as per the norm. And if they want to hear my podcast, which I which I do, uh, they can find the No Wrong Answers podcast. Um, if they search um, various podcast uh, directories, go in your favourite podcast player, mm-hmm. and you can find No Wrong So you can find out more about me on there. Uh, sorry, No Answers.com as well as my as my uh, as a blog site. But you can find the No Wrong Answers podcast um and uh yeah uh who, who would i like to contact me um i suppose my main job my main thing at Sabertooth panda is to do with creativity coaching training and and playing i suppose um i talk about the need to coach for individual uh, awareness um train for uh for sort of context awareness helping you understand how is that going to make a difference in your real world and then play is what i call sort of game time doing it for real and that's very much in the collaboration uh, space um so anyone who's interested in figuring out how creativity really works how to become more creative rather than just learning about creativity which seems to be what what most uh, most creativity centric training does it teaches you about it rather than helping you be it um so anyone who's interested in that should should contact me also anyone who who's interested in uh, in words let's just say that i love words and i love writing so anyone who's interested in figuring out how to how to uh, get their ideas across in writing i i love doing that so um it's always exciting to get involved in anything in that area brilliant thank you very much indeed thank you You've been listening to Collaboration Dynamics with Judy Reese. Ask your questions and leave your comments at judyreese.co.uk.